Grace and mercy and peace be yours from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we're wrapping up our our five-week epiphany series uh, called The Revealing, as, as God's been revealing the glory of his son, Jesus, to us. Um, as we've looked at, can you do this with me again? What have we looked at? The, the visit of the, the Magi, the baptism of Jesus. We're doing pretty good so far. The baptism of Jesus, his first miracle of what? Turning water into wine. And then last week we looked at, it's kind of a tough one, you remember? Samson, we did look at Samson a, a few months ago. That's a very good memory. Last week, uh, we, we looked at somebody else who was anointed, who was set aside, how Jesus is, is the Christ, the Messiah, uh, sent on a mission to save us. So today, as we've been talking about throughout the service, we're looking at how God reveals himself, reveals Jesus to us uh, through the authority that Jesus possesses. And so we're going to be looking at our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 4 uh, as we kind of hone in on this theme of authority. So kind of as Mr. Felton invited uh, the kids to do, I'd like to invite everybody to, to consider uh, kind of his question today. Who is it in your life that, that has authority over you? Who gets to kind of give you commands or orders or determine the way that you live? I saw someone pointing at his wife, so good job. Good job on that one. That was very subtle, but earned you a few points there. Um, Authority is, is a powerful word. Uh, one dictionary defines it as the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Um, there are several ways to get authority. We talked about a little bit of them earlier. Um, you can achieve authority through expertise, becoming a leading authority on a subject. Maybe not quite like that gentleman there, but uh, you get the idea. You can acquire authority uh, naturally by virtue of, of being parents, as you know, parents have... Oh, there we go. We're just skipping ahead here. So we should have had a picture of the Feltons down in that bottom right corner. I think that would have been better after the children's message. You sometimes have naturally you know, given authority as, as a parent. Sometimes it's bestowed on you, uh, just like our Supreme Court justices are, are appointed, are given authority to, to make decisions. Um, other times... People gain authority or try to gain authority by kind of jockeying and, and manipulating and cajoling and threatening. Um, and just one look at the inner squabbles of our American political system kind of remind us of that all too often. Well, however one goes about acquiring authority, um, I would say there are, there are two main ways to exercise it. One thing you can do is to exercise your authority arrogantly. You can, can lord it over people. You can pull rank. You can make sure that your authority goes unquestioned and, and squash anybody who would get in the way of it. Or you can use your authority humbly. You can, can use it to benefit others. You can use it benevolently for the sake of someone other than yourself. This second way is the way of Jesus. If anyone ever had a right to, to pull rank, it was the Son of God. And, and yet Jesus uses his authority for our sake. And in our gospel lesson today, we saw the authority of Jesus revealed in, in three specific ways. So, so we're going to be looking at that. I invite you to get your sermon outline out and follow along there. Take some notes. Um, if you have a Bible app on your phone, you can get that out. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Um, 
Our gospel reading for this week begins at verse 31, kind of right where last week's left off. So he has left Nazareth, where he was you know, very warmly received, at least at first, before they tried to throw him off a cliff, right? Uh, he escaped death there, kind of walked right through the midst of them, and today he goes down to Capernaum. And just like he had in Nazareth, he starts to teach them uh, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And just like in Nazareth, they were astonished at his teaching because his word possessed what? Authority. The authority of Jesus is revealed to us here first in his teaching. Have you ever met someone who just kind of left you in awe every time that they spoke? I had a couple of seminary professors like that. They just had this certain way of speaking. They had this you know, wisdom gained over many years, just kind of had this gravitas. And so every time they would say something, I would, I would listen intently and just try to soak everything up that I possibly could. Well, Jesus kind of has this effect on just about everybody that he meets. Uh, Mr. Felton talked about this a little bit too, that Jesus taught, he preached differently than other people did. Now, teachers in the time, what they would usually do is they'd, they'd read the text, and then they'd kind of give a few comments on how it ought to be translated, how it's supposed to be understood or interpreted, based on like the traditions and the, the narratives that had been passed down to them. But Jesus, when he preaches, doesn't quote other rabbis. Jesus doesn't defer to other authorities, because Jesus is the authority on the word of God, because Jesus is the word of God. So when's the last time you were blown away by his preaching? When's the last time that something Jesus said just completely threw you for a loop? When's the last time you went home and, and discussed the sermon or, or the songs or the scripture readings in church that day, later on that day, or, or maybe even throughout the week? When's the last time you read the words of Jesus in your devotional time and it had a noticeable and profound impact on your day? Sometimes we hang on his every word. And there's sometimes that, that we forget to listen. In our Old Testament lesson, we heard the, the call of Jeremiah, appointed a prophet before he was born. We heard God touch his mouth and tell him that he was putting his words in Jeremiah's mouth, that he was giving him authority over nations and kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Sounds pretty powerful, doesn't it? Well, guess what? If you were a contemporary of Jeremiah, it would have been pretty hard for you to perceive that, that that's what was happening. Jeremiah was given an incredibly hard truth to share with his people, and, and as a result, he was often ignored, he was punished and persecuted, and he was exiled. Sometimes the, the people either forgot to listen to God's word through Jeremiah, or they just plain refused to. I think I just had a bug on me or something. I did. I was wondering if it was like the Holy Spirit kind of trying to tell me something. It's a stink bug. I'm glad I didn't crush it. All right. Jeremiah also, when he would preach, would have all these distractions that he had to deal with. And um, yeah. So whether you have a stink bug on the back of your head, thank you, Miss Zimmerman. I just kind of just... Pretend like this isn't going on, I think. So God works in, in incredible ways, uh, whether they're stink bugs. <laughs> whether they're st- Sorry. Jeremiah was probably better at this than I am. 
Um, so Jeremiah's life, here's the point. Jeremiah had this incredible authority given to him by God, right? Didn't ever look like that, hardly at all throughout his life. Um, and yet in the end, Jeremiah's words are, are proved true. God backs up his prophet and, and his authority bears out. It's that way with Jesus in your life. Jesus's word will prove true for you. Jesus has authority for you and over you. Sometimes, like Jeremiah's word, it's a, it's a hard word of truth that, that really kind of hits you and, and doesn't hold back any punches. But Jesus also speaks to us his word of, of salvation from the sin that his law points out to us. His word bespeaks us righteous is one of the, one of the greatest hymns that we have says. And so when Jesus speaks, you should listen because he alone has the words of eternal life. When Jesus speaks, you should be astonished at his teaching because his word possesses authority. Well, speaking of being astonished, did you notice in that reading uh, what happened in church that day in Capernaum? Let me just read this section to you again. And in the synagogue, this is important, in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power... He commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. So in this narrative that Luke gives us, uh, in addition to the people of Capernaum who were, were there in the synagogue listening to Jesus preach, and we also run into these other characters uh, who are compelled to listen to Jesus as much as they don't want to. So there in the middle of the church service, as the people are, are praising Jesus and saying that, that his word possesses authority, a man possessed by a demon just stands up and screams at him. And so Jesus demonstrates that he has authority not only in his teaching, but over demons. Apparently at the time, uh, exorcists had two main ways that they would try to compel a demon to leave. Uh, one would be they would try to kind of scare it out or sort of smoke it out using smells and different things like that. Uh, the more common one is they would invoke the name of, of this higher spiritual power, trying to, to get the, the lower power to leave. The thing about Jesus' exorcism that amazes everybody is that his word alone is enough to compel the demon to leave. Immediately, the demon recognizes that there is no higher power than that of the one standing in front of him in the synagogue. And the demon recognizes that this is Jesus. This is the Holy One of God, and he cannot help but reveal his identity to the world. And he knows he has no choice but to listen and to obey. Jesus had authority over demons. And he still does. I think most of us, uh, when we think of demon possession, if we ever do, uh, think of it as a thing that, that happened long, long ago in faraway lands. But that doesn't mean that it's not still a reality here. You might be surprised to know that if you were to come to one of us pastors and share with us that, that you suspected there was something demonic going on around you, 
you wouldn't be the first one. In fact, if, if that's something that you've been experiencing in, in any way at all, please come to us and talk to us about that. Um, it's not going to shock us. We're not going to think you're crazy. We want to help you with that. Uh, demons are very real. But we don't have to be afraid of them because they have no power over us. Because Jesus has complete power over them. In his ministry, Jesus casted out demons and, and demonstrated again and again and again that they have no authority whatsoever. And then he took on their boss. He took on Satan head to head and utterly defeated him and destroyed him when he died on the cross. So now Satan languishes. He, he lashes out. He sends out his, his henchmen, but, but they have no power over us because they have no power over Christ. Jesus has authority over all things spiritual and over all things physical. So after all of this excitement at the synagogue, uh, Luke says, Jesus arose and left the synagogue and went to Simon's house where he found his mother-in-law sick with a high fever. Um, Now, how many of you have a mother-in-law? Raise your hand. Okay, so there's all these jokes about mother-in-laws, right? And you might, you might have even you know, read this story, how Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, and wondered if, if Simon was you know, happy with Jesus about that or not. Um, hopefully you were. I can say that my mother-in-law, it makes it very hard for me to understand the mother-in-law jokes because she's always serving. She's always working. She's always doing everything she can to, to help us, to help other people. And that seems to be the case here. So here's what Luke says. Luke says, Jesus stood over her and rebuked The fever. He uses the exact same phrase here that he did when he described what he did to the demon. He rebuked the fever, and the fever left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Immediately. There's no period of rest, there's no time of recovery after you kind of get better and get over something like this. Immediately she rose and began to serve them. Because that's what people healed by Jesus do they serve God. They serve one another. Jesus showed that just as he has power over demons, he has power over sickness, over disease, over illness. And not only did he rebuke Simon's mother-in-law's fever, that night, Luke says, and listen to to just kind of the broad scope of of Jesus' authority here. Luke says, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. There does not exist a disease that Jesus does not have power over. Cancer, congestive heart failure, the common cold all bow to the authority of Jesus. But that does leave us with a little bit of a problem, doesn't it? If this is true... Why do we see so much sickness and disease around us, within us? Why do we suffer so much? Why do our loved ones suffer so much? Why are some of the sickest people that we know people with the the strongest faith? I have to admit, I I don't know the, the full answer to that question right now. But I know what God's ultimate answer is. And that is that every single disease is itself suffering from a terminal condition. Every single disease's days are numbered because Jesus has come and he's coming again 
And the scriptures say that on that day, all diseases will be healed. All bodies will be restored. Sickness and death will be no more. For now, disease reminds us that we live in a broken and fallen world, that we're broken and fallen people ourselves. The Lutheran Study Bible says, the works of Jesus reveal the bond between sin and sickness, which corrupts the world and touches our lives. The early church father, Jerome, put it this way, may Christ come to our house and enter in and by his command, cure the fever of our sins. Each one of us is sick with a fever. There are as many fevers as there are faults and vices. So let us beg Jesus that he may come to us and touch our hand. If he does so, at once, our fever is gone. So we've heard about how Jesus displayed his authority in Capernaum, in his teaching over demons, over disease. How about in Frankenmuth? How about in, in your town? How about in your life? Jesus said that, that he left Capernaum so that he could preach in other towns. Jesus left Capernaum so that he could preach here. He's still speaking to us today. And his message today is the same now as it was then. As Luke says, it is the good news of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a phrase that Jesus uses in the gospel of Luke alone over 30 times. And here in chapter 4, verse 43 is the first one of those. The kingdom of God, the reign of God is, is the reality that the authority of Jesus has come and changes everything. In Christ, God rules over all things. And that means that in Christ, God rules over you. So I'd invite you to ask yourself today, is, is Jesus the expert whose advice I seek first and, and rank the highest? Does Jesus get to, to tell me what to do? To tell me how to live? Because yes, Jesus does tell you how to live. He tells you how to live eternally, in fact, by trusting in him by trusting that he has covered over every single one of your sins, that he has set you free forever from demons and disease and death by his death on the cross. Martin Luther begins his explanation of the second article of the creed by saying, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my what? Is my Lord. And then he goes on to explain why that's the case. Because he's redeemed me. A lost and condemned creature purchased and won me from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. Jesus rose and left the synagogue to heal Simon's mother-in-law. Jesus rose and left the grave to heal you. He had authority to, to lay down his life and to take it up again, and he did it for you, and so you belong to him. Jesus has authority over your life, this one and the next, the one that he's won for you already. As Paul says, your life is hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, as he has purchased and won eternal life for you. So today and every day, let his authority be revealed in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.